Today, we take a chilling journey into Conway, South Carolina, where a quiet and religious community was rocked by a shocking double murder. In a case drenched in mystery and with little media coverage, we delve into the story of Robert and Robbie Ford, a father and son brutally taken from their loved ones, uncover the hidden secrets, twisted motives, and the pursuit of justice in the double murder of Robert and Robbie Ford. Get your snacks, get those headphones, and get ready to learn about a real-life crime that will leave you questioning the darkness that can lurk behind closed doors. Hey guys, I'm Jordan, I'm 20 years old, and I'm a singer, songwriter, and producer with a love for crime. All my close friends know how much I watch true crime podcasts and shows. There was literally a time when I watched Forensic Files for four days straight, and I literally wish I was exaggerating. I've always had a little inside joke that if I don't become a pop star, that I want to be a forensic criminologist. And I do understand that the job is much more stressful and draining than hosting a true crime podcast. I've really taken a liking to true crime with Kendall Ray and murder with my husband. They do amazing research and are very entertaining, shining the light on victims and spreading awareness. You should definitely check them out. I'm currently working on my debut music project which takes time so I figured I'd devote some time to a crime podcast in the meantime. Don't worry this isn't a side task for me as I am a tourist so I already have been putting so much effort into this podcast. As of right now everything you see is done by me down to the research and editing and I promise to continue devoting so much time into this. I truly had so much fun in this episode. We will be discussing the double murder of Robert and Robbie Ford. Before we get into it I do want to mention that this case just came to a very recent verdict in April of this year and there are more trials expected in the future. I also want to note that this is my first episode so there is so much room for improvement. For example, my cat here um, just loves to make a lot of noise with her bell uh, but she definitely cannot be outside my room while I film while I film this because it's just going to be crazy. I'm sorry for looking away a lot from the camera to read my script. I literally will ramble so much if I don't stick to a script. Like right now I'm rambling. <laughs> so I'm sorry that constantly I'm like looking over at the script but also I do want to make sure I'm hitting all the information I want to hit in each episode. This is also actually the first case I was able to do my own research on and develop a build for the episode. This case had very little media coverage and public information, therefore this episode will be fairly short. Not too short, but fairly short. But of course, I did manage to find enough information to film an episode. Please remember that this is a real case that deals with real victims and real families, so I ask that you please be respectful to the family, friends, and the community of Conway. Conway, South Carolina is home to Coastal Carolina University and is praised for its southern hospitality and slow living. According to celadonliving.com, we're known for our palmettos, yellow jessamine, and ancient oak trees. Conway has a current population of 24,221 and is the 23rd largest city in South Carolina. Our case begins with Robert Marion Ford Jr., who was born on May 21st, 1959 in Conway, South Carolina, to Robert Marion Ford Sr. and Clarice Ford. He had a religious upbringing and unfortunately lost his father at a very early age. His father, Robert Marion Ford Sr., was born October 18, 1921 to John and Mage Ford and passed away January 22, 1978 at age 56. Robert Sr. had three siblings, like Cougaris, Leon, and Margaret Ford. His mother, Clarice Vivian Dorman Ford, was born October 29, 1925 in Ori County and passed away May 25, 2005 at age 79. She was born to Herbert and Blanche Dorman and had three brothers, Herbert, Charles, and Harry Dorman, and two sisters, Irene, also known as Lottie and Ninari Dorman Hardy. Both Robert Sr. and Clarice Ford laid a rest at the Good Hope Baptist Church Cemetery in Horry County. 
Robert Jr. lived a very faithful life. He was a member of the Good Hope Baptist Church, which he also attended throughout his childhood and was the choir director for over 30 years. He was employed by Spectrum for over 20 years and was formerly employed by Grove Manufacturing and Pepsi-Cola Bottling Company. He was a former deacon, Sunday school teacher, and Bible drill leader, and he also enjoyed volleyball and softball at the church. Ford sang in a quartet as the lead singer with Charles Hux and Odo Dorman. They typically sang at funerals, revivals, and church homecomings. Samantha Ford was born in 1984 to Robert Jr. and I looked everywhere but I could not find her birth mother like anywhere. Robert Jr. married Melda Pervet Ford in 1988 and gave birth to Robbie Simpson Ford on March 31st, 1993, making Samantha Robbie's half-sister. Melda unfortunately passed away just two years before the murders after a sudden hip incident at her home. It has been reported that she she was suffering from crippling arthritis for years leading up to her passing. Melda loved singing, playing the piano, and tending to her plants. She was the life of her home, and it is said that all who knew her loved her and she loved them. Robbie was a graduate of Ori Georgetown Technical College and was attending Clemson University where he was studying architecture. He was the caretaker of his grandmother's and mother before she passed and also was a member of the Good Hope Baptist Church. He was only 25 at the time of the double murders. The Ford residence was built in 1993 and is described as a single family residential style home and was the scene of the horrific crime. It's located on South Carolina 19 or Highway 19, which appears to be a long two-lane roadway and roughly 30 minutes out from Myrtle Beach. The residence had three bedrooms and two bathrooms on a 2.21 acre lot. It's currently off the market and can be valued at almost $380,000. The residence was one story, had a majority brick exterior with one brick step to the porch, and had four white chairs facing the street with a white Spectrum Company truck and a beige truck parked in the driveway. Spectrum is widely used by market consumers and commercial cable television channels. Internet, telephone, and wireless service providers similar brands include Verizon and Xfinity. Each home on Highway 19 is very spaced out, and after further research, it appeared that the house closest to the Ford residence, just off to like the left across from the residence, was abandoned and unkept. From what I could see, the roof had visible holes and windows looked shattered, but it's unclear if that was the condition of the home at the time of the tragedy. I discovered this literally by searching my heart out online for the home using Highway 19 as a reference. No public reports revealed the actual address of the property, and since this case has trials that are still ongoing, I chose to withhold that information. The second closest home could amount to an approximate three-minute walk from the end of the long driveway to the neighboring Ford's U-shaped driveway, and approximately approximately 8 to 10 minutes, also walking distance from door to door with a set of trees that can appear to look like a mini forest dividing the two homes. Please note the time calculated from home to home is based off of Google Maps. This provided visuals about the property and surrounding areas. This typically was the layout of the properties on Highway 19 with an exception of few areas along the road with no more than three to four homes grouped closely together. I provide all of this just to paint a picture of how spaced out the properties were from one another. In conclusion, the Ford family was a very religious household, but an average family with a beautiful home who loved music and teaching at their Sunday school. On Friday, August 17th, a day before police were dispatched to the residence, it is believed that both Fords had been out to Charleston to look for a place for Robbie to stay during the upcoming school year at Clemson University. Since Robbie studied architecture, a semester at either Charleston or Italy was a degree requirement in his major. The two returned home and then left again to get something to eat. It is when they returned home the second time the crime took place. On August 18th, 2018, the Ori County Police Department responded to a report of an abandoned vehicle in the area of Cooks County and Highway 917. That might be Cooks County, 
I just wanted to throw that in there. They found a 2005 Ford Escape registered to Robert Marion Ford Jr. that had been partially burned. On August 18th, 2018, the same day, around 12.26 p.m., officers were dispatched to a home off Highway 19 for a welfare check or an attempt to locate. Upon arrival, officers found two men dead on the property. Horry County Coroner's Office identified the victims as Robert Marion Jr., 59, and Robbie Stinson Ford, 25, a father and son, both from the Conway area. Police said both men had been shot multiple times to death. The autopsy was expected to be conducted the following Sunday, but there are no further public specifics about the autopsy. A homicide investigation was immediately launched. Crime scene investigators processed the scene of the abandoned car and discovered three cigarette butts on the ground outside the driver's door and a partially burned skull cap on the driver's side floorboard. A DNA profile was developed from the cigarette butts in the skull cap. Unfortunately, that profile could not be matched to anyone. Around this time, there was another recent homicide in the community near Adrian Highway, but the Horry County Police concluded there were no evidence that suggested the two tragic events were related. Furthermore, Captain Harrelson of the HCPD stated that the investigation does not suggest this incident is related to any other recent incidents. Weeks, months, and even two years go by without a suspect. The case grew cold. Church members and the community gathered to remember Robert and Robbie. Dealing with the loss is one thing, dealing with the circumstances of the loss is another. You're left with a lot of why, said Brent Grimm, a deacon at Good Hope Baptist Church. It'll take some time for us to pick up and move on, but I'm sure if he could say something to us, it would be keep going. Funeral services for Robert and Robbie Ford were held on August 25th, 2018. Many of the church members believed at the time that, that it was a robbery attempt gone wrong. The case continued unsolved for two years, and in a final attempt, the HCPD contacted Othram, I hope that's how you say it, a forensic genetic genealogy organization that could assist in identifying the person responsible. It took years of constant and thorough investigation to develop a suspect. They followed people all around the county into North Carolina and back trying to find abandoned DNA. Othram provided leads to Horry County Police Department investigators who were able to collect a reference DNA sample. And on Monday, August 17th, 2020, the HCPD served multiple search warrants and was able to arrest three suspects. Randy Dean Granger was arrested and charged with multiple crimes, including two counts of murder. Samantha Rabone, the daughter of Robert Marion Ford Jr. and the half-sister of Robbie Stinson Ford was charged with two counts of murder and two counts of criminal conspiracy. These charges come after scientific evidence provided to the Horry County Police Department with the lead in the investigation. This lead was confirmed through DNA evidence, which led to the identification of Granger and the development of additional co-conspirators. Arrest warrant stated that Rabone solicited Granger to commit the crime. Teresa Martin, 54, of Conway, was charged with conspiracy to commit a felony. Martin pleaded guilty to accessory after the fact on April 3rd, 2023, when the case went to trial, and agreed to testify against Granger and Rabone. DNA evidence and cell phone records tied Granger to the scene of the crime, and the testimony from Martin played a huge factor in the conviction. Prosecutors said that Rabone hired Granger so she could collect insurance money from her father and half-brother, and promised Granger $20,000 to execute it. With cases like Kill for Pay, it really like irks my soul that like people agree on an amount for someone's life, if you know what I mean. Like There's no amount that amounts to like 
a living soul alive you know what i mean and it just like blows my mind that like people can even settle on like an amount period you know what i mean like that's crazy to me martin's role was to signal when granger arrived at the ford residence and pick him up after the shooting cell phone records connected them both to the scene granger drove the victim's 2005 ford escape and attempted to burn the vehicle, which is where the prosecution said he got sloppy. After he set fire, he left the windows rolled up and shut the doors, which was the only thing that kept the fire from entirely consuming the car, along with a school cap that the suspects had been around for many years. Martin later picked Granger up a certain distance from the burned car. It is unclear to public knowledge why Granger stole the car, maybe to stage a robbery, but it is clear that his DNA was found on the cigarette butts and skull cap. After a three-day trial and a little more than two hours of deliberation, the jury convicted him of two counts of murder, two counts of criminal conspiracy, third-degree arson, and possession of a weapon during a violent crime. And on April 6, 2023, Granger was sentenced to two consecutive terms of life in prison without the possibility of parole on top of 20 years for crimes associated with the murders it is reported that he had absolutely no reaction when his verdict and sentencing was read no trial date has been set at the time of filming this for rabone and martin will be sentenced at the conclusion of rabone's trial martin appeared for a bond hearing on a tuesday afternoon where her bond was set at 10,000. she was told not to have any contact with the victim's family we're not promised tomorrow so appreciate each other today lift one another up and keep trying to move Ford, says Brent Groom. Both Robert and Robbie Ford laid a rest at the Good Hope Baptist Church Cemetery and may they be forever remembered as kind, loving, and religiously oriented people who love to spread the word and teachings about their faith. Thank you for tuning in into the first episode of Murder in My Bedroom. Today's sources are goldfinchfuneralhome.com, dnasolves.com, celadonliving.com, findagrave.com, WPDE Local News, myorinews.com, WMBF News, and Myrtle Beach Online. All sources are listed below. Make sure you subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and follow Murder in My Bedroom on all social medias. Feel free to comment down below with any thoughts about this case. Let's get a conversation started. Contact Murder in my bedroom podcast at gmail.com for any inquiries or case requests that concludes today's episode and i'll see you all later bye special thanks to Festlian studios for the royalty free soundtracks you can listen to murder in my bedroom in the car on the treadmill or even in the shower be sure to check out murder in my bedroom on spotify podcast apple podcast and any other podcast platforms you may listen on please subject all case requests to murder in my bedroom podcast at gmail.com Thanks for listening.